What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, where Kyle and Derek get together every week to talk about how not to be a youth pastor. Derek, I don't know how I feel about referring to myself in the third person. I like it. Yeah? For you. I hate I it for myself. Well, what's, what is second person? I've never, I feel like I've never had a good grasp on what second person right. is. Because first person is you're just... Like, I am talking about myself. I am talking yep. in, the th- in the first person right now. And if Kyle were to transition how Kyle spoke about things, then Kyle would be talking in the third, third person. person. But what is second person? Does anybody really know... I think that's like where, it's certainly not something people use often because if it was, we would know what I it think is. That's where someone like is next to you talking about you, but in the first person. So if I were to speak for Kyle, I would I would say, "Hey, I am a really cool guy. I am really mean to my friend Derek." And you, know, you see what I'm saying? So according to that was, Graham, that was complete complete bullarkey, by the way. I know. I wasn't even listening. Okay, I figured. <laughs> According to Grammarly.com, which is, a, if you don't have the uh, like web browser add-on for Grammarly, I would recommend it. I use it all the time. Uh, I have an education, the, so I don't need one. So, <laughs> touche. Uh, the second person point of view belongs to the person being addressed. So this is the you perspective. Once again, the biggest indicator of the second person is the use of second person pronouns. You, your, yours, yourself, yourselves. So if you were to be talking to Kyle, you would be feeling very important. I I just read the example and I read the definition. I still don't understand it. This is kind of like, I don't know if I, I should look this one up too. First world. Third world. Oh. We know what those are. What the heck is second world? Like a third world country, we know what that is. A first world country, we know what that is. What is a second world country? I feel like there's a Star Wars reference in here somewhere. Maybe. (laughs) Let's see what happens when we Google what is a second world country. The term second world was initially used to refer to the Soviet Union and countries of the communist bloc. Well, there's that. It has subsequently been revised to refer to nations that fall between first and third world countries. That seems like cheating in terms of their development status and economic indicators. I'm sure there's like an actual objective data point that dictates that, but that just feels very subjective. Like... Okay, you're not quite a first world country, but you're not a third world country, so we're gonna we're gonna give you a solid two. Like, <laughs> right? It just yeah. seems like a little a little harsh. This is absolutely not at all what this uh, episode is supposed to be about. But I am currently trying to figure out like if I can get a list of like first, second, and third world countries, just because I'm curious. Your brain is an interesting place. It's a scary place. Naturally. That's for sure. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um, there's not the internet doesn't really have a solid list here, which is kind of disappointing. Uh, the internet's coming up empty for one of the first times in our podcasting history. Ooh, here we go. Second world countries. Oh, good. Uh, Afghanistan, Romania, Hungary. What is this list? Like, do we trust this list? I, mean, I don't. I don't know, man. Poland. 
Oh, that they're for sure. No, <laughs> <laughs> North Korea, South Yemen. I did not know that Yemen was split into South and North. Mm, Although East Germany is also on this list and Czechoslovakia and neither of those okay, are yeah. a thing anymore. Yep, so, okay, this is, uh, I don't, I'm not too, I'm not a fan of this. Do you know what we should do? Our podcast? Yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's do that. Um, <laughs> we are, we are talking today about, uh, post high school life for our teenagers. So Derek, quick question of the day. Uh, what did your post high school faith look like? Like yeah. in those years immediately following high school? Yeah. So uh, for though I think maybe I've talked about this. I can't remember. Um, but I was not destined for the ministry coming out of high school. Like I, my full plan was to go into the medical field. Um, I, whether it was going to be a general physician or, uh, I come from a family of dentists. That was kind of my plan. Um, my position, my high school career for that. So like I just, what isn't, What's the name of like the little misfit kid in that old Rudolph movie? Like Remy or something like that? Is isn't his dream no to be clue. a dentist? Maybe. Have you seen that movie? It's been a long time. Remy? I think that's, that's like a his dog's name. name. Uh I don't know what even to Google. Uh, in order to find this, no, I Googled Rudolph and then boy's name to try and come up with that guy's name. Yep. And it just gave me a bunch of websites talking about how great Rudolph is as a boy's name. Uh, so you're telling me there are people who have a kid and go, let's name him Rudolph. Apparently. Cool. Hermie. Hermie. That's what his name was. No, yeah, Hermes' like goal was to grow up and be a dentist. I'm pretty it's sure. A good goal. That was my goal. You know, and that's what I planned. Yeah, on. one that you were destined for. Yeah. So I went to the part of that. I wanted to go to a good school that would inevitably set me up to get into a good mental or mental school. <laughs> <laughs> Hot mental hospital. Yeah. Mental <laughs> institution. Is that where you were uh, destined yes. for? Maybe it, it was. Maybe I still <laughs> am. Oh no. But. I mean, yeah. So like that was, that was the plan. So I actually, I enrolled, I was, it was between University of Minnesota Duluth, UMD, um, and then NDSU. And so I was like, I, I was between the two. Um, I went up to UMD. I toured it like three times, just did not feel like the one. Um, and so I went was to it NDSU. because Duluth's winters weren't harsh enough? You thought, nah, this isn't enough of a punishment. Yeah. I'm going to go to North Dakota. They, they, they were soft. They have, they have that, they have that tunnel system where yep. you can like, you know, not have to get into the elements. Uh, but no, like it, it was like one of those things. Like if you're a, if you're a student going into the, like the college season, I mean, go get on a tour because it was one of those things. Like on paper, UMD was fantastic, but as soon as I got up there, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel like it was home, uh, and so I ended up landing at NDSU and actually did really really well there. Uh, but what I did is I knew uh, the stats. I knew that uh, a lot of people, which we'll talk about here in a second, as soon as they leave high school, as soon as they get out of the rhythm of going to church with their family, going to youth group, what have you, the stats of, of kids stepping away from their faith is staggering. And so I wanted to be proactive. My faith was something super important to me. So I actually reached out 
Uh, my youth pastor had told me that the Chi Alpha, which again, we'll talk about here in a little bit at NDSU was like one of the best in the nation. And so he said, if I were you, uh, here's his email, reach out to him, you know, and like kind of, you know, just, just, just get plugged in as soon as you can. So that summer before I left for college, I graduated in May in June, July, August, I'm emailing one of the interns at Chi Alpha back and forth, back and forth to the point that when I show up at NDSU my freshman year, I'm sitting in my dorm room by myself for no more than 20 minutes and kind of having that like, oh my gosh, like I'm in college right now. My parents just left me. Uh, and he shows up and brings me over to his apartment and we, you know, make some Oreo shakes and, and life was good. And so that year I got plugged into the church up in Fargo. I went to Chi Alpha every single week. Uh, we, I was in a small group with some other guys in my, in my area, in my floor. And so uh, my faith was actually very, very strong um, my freshman year, even though I was going through a really tough season of life, which I can share at another time. But, you know, that to contrast that with uh, North Central Bible College was like an, ex- an experience, you know, because like at NDSU, if you want to have a faith, like you need to work at it. You need to like really prioritize it. You need to, you know, make sure you're going out of your way to kind of go and chase after your faith because if you don't chase it, you'll get run over. I can't tell you how many times I, you know, at NDSU, we didn't have our own individual bathrooms. We just had community bathrooms. There was like four or five times I walked into take a shower Saturday morning. And I kid you not in my freshman dorm, there was a pyramid of beer cans. (laughs) Like as I'm about to go take a shower, you know, like, um, which again, I'm not saying that's inherently bad, but just the climate between a secular school like NDSU and a small private Bible college was such a difference, um, you know, because I, I grew my faith in both places, but for very, very different reasons. And so um, it was, I kind of cherish having both exposures just because it really taught me about what it's like for a lot of people who are looking at different options and that type of thing. So, but again, that was different than you who was in Bible college as soon as you got out of high school. So... Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the beer can tower because on my floor every single year we had a pop can tower. Uh, <laughs> so that's hilarious. Um, but I, it's interesting. You know, you talk about the reality of a lot of kids. You know, walking away from church mm-hmm. in in that age range, and the uh, how how much you have to fight for your faith at at a school like North Dakota North Dakota State i felt like i had to do the exact same thing for different reasons hmm. because when i got to north central um it's almost as if your faith is like they like they you can have them spoon feed it to you mm-hmm. like you are surrounded we had to like we had chapel every single day and we got like a set number of times we could miss it throughout the semester but it averaged out to i think like you could only miss it like once, once every two weeks yeah, or something like that right. especially as a freshman as when you get older you mm-hmm. get more skips because you got more going on or whatever and i my second semester freshman year i used pretty much all of my skips to watch the winter olympics and so <laughs> i had to go to chapel <laughs> a lot <laughs> and i had and and being like every basically going to a church service five days a week, 
Uh, and then also going to a church service on Sunday morning, like I did not get, I almost fell into these stats uh, in a raw metric because I really didn't go to church a lot my freshman mm-hmm. year. Now, part of that was my own fault because I was working the lunch shift at the cafeteria on Sundays. So I had to be there at like 10 o'clock in the morning to mm-hmm. get everything ready. But I had a lot of um, opportunity that I didn't take to yeah. get plugged into a faith community. And mm-hmm. I think that at a, when you're in that situation, it's very easy to just pass off chapel as your church service. And then mm-hmm. I don't have to plug in anywhere on Sunday mornings. And that's a mistake, honestly. Well, and I don't know if you experienced this either, but it, it's one of those things where it's like, it, to me, this goes back to the the train of thought of if you're a youth pastor now, like I spent six hours sermon prepping today in the word. So I'm not going to go home and like, you know, like get into the word for myself. I feel like it's kind of the same way at Bible college of like, you're in classes, especially if you're in a ministry major, you're in classes all day, Bible related things, or, you know, you're going to chapel and and that is your church, or, you know, you have Bible study at night uh, with some guys from your floor. And so there's, there's all these different really good things happening. But to your point, Kyle, it's one of those things where, because it's being spoon fed to you, you almost don't feel like you need to dig in for yourself, you know, which can be really, really tough because, um, I know I've experienced this and, uh, you know, there, when you're, when you're at the, when you're doing this for three or four straight years and you, you're conditioned to going to chapel every day and it, it, it can be one of those things where it almost feels like more of you have to than you get to. But I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting in my office or doing things in ministry and I just thought, I really wish at 11 o'clock today, I could just walk down the hall and go into an incredible worship experience and just spend time with the Lord, you know, or, or just hear a message from a really gifted communicator. It's one of those things. You Derek, that's take what for, YouTube is for. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> y- y- you get my point yes, though, I you do. know, like it, it, it's one of those things where yeah. it's like, um, it's just the, the availability is nice. And so I, 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 I like that perspective because I think it, it just goes to show whether you go to a secular college or a Bible college that is full of people who love Jesus, the the point remains the same that if you want to have an active, vibrant faith, it's going to require some effort on your part. It's going to require some self-discipline. It's going to require some really, really intentionality on your part. And that's kind of what we want to talk about today uh, to students. Yes, but also, okay, if you're a youth pastor, if you're a youth leader, if you're a parent, as you prepare for this transition, what does that look like? Because there's, there's sometimes there's this kind of unsure line of, okay, where does my job end as a youth pastor and somebody else's begin, which we'll get into here in just a second. But um, I'm going to take the spot of Kyle today by providing the research. <laughs> and so um, I was the one who, who dug up the stats. Whereas- Man, I was so proud when I opened the show doc and it's like a proud father seeing his child uh, yeah. do research and provide statistics for the first time. I'm, I'm just trying to make you proud, Dad. I almost had a tear in my eye momentarily. That's because you farted and it smelled. Aha! No, it was because I had such sympathy for Derek uh, because it, I'm so much better at fantasy football than he is. Okay. 
<laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways, okay. Lifeway Research. This is a, a notable research company that they they pull every year. It's, it's equivalent to a lot of us probably heard of Barna. I mean, it's no youth cartel, no. but it'll it'll do. <laughs> Dude, that was the greatest <laughs> research I've ever heard of. That name alone, for sure. Was that two episodes ago? Three episodes ago? Uh, that the was episode, yeah, forty nine or fifty. Yeah, go back. And, and, and I will just real quick. Uh, we did have, if I had prepped this better, I would have pulled it up. Uh, we did have a episode that we did a while back that kind of dove into, um, you know, the, the ins and outs of transition. Uh, I believe it was 32, episode 32, where we talked about, you know, the transitions on either side of youth ministry, yep. coming from kids to youth, and then on the other side, going from youth to young adults. Yep. But this episode, we want to really dive deeper into the young adult side uh, mm-hmm. on this episode. Yeah, 100%, because it is, um, it is one of those things where, generally speaking, there's an established kids ministry at the church you're at already. Odds are, unless you're a bigger church, there's not an established young adults ministry. And yeah. so, you know, what do you do with that? And so here are some just statistics that I think are humbling and a little sobering if we can just be real for a second. Uh, but uh, I'm just going to just kind of rally this down here again. This is from Lifeway Research. I, oh, I can't remember. I think it was 2014 that this was conducted. So uh, the data is a little old now, uh, but it still, I think, is relevant. But here's what's crazy to me. Two-thirds of students, that's 66%, uh, stopped attending church for at least a year after graduating high school. These were kids who used to be plugged in. They used to be attending church regularly. They used to be a part of their youth ministry. But two out of three of those students, after being regular attenders of their church, 66% of those students stopped attending church for at least a year after graduating high school. Now, if you break that down a little bit more, if you, you know, that's just kind of an overarching generalization. But if you look at the actual nitty gritty of those dropouts, 69% of those students attended church at age 17. Um, you know, so they are not of those students, I'm sorry, just 69% of students, they attended church at least two or more times a week at age 17. When they were 18, 58% of those students attended church two or more times a week. By 19, 40% attended two or more times a week. And at, at in their 20s, it was down to 33% of those students would say, hey, I now attend church two or more times a week. And so it's one of those things where we're seeing a trend that in those young adult years, you know, at 17, that makes sense. You're in the household still, probably. You're a senior and you're busy and you got and you got school and your job and so on and so forth, but church is still an important part of your life. 18, yeah, you're probably still in, you know, that little bit of that, you know, okay, I'm, a, I'm an adult, but I'm gonna go back to what I know. But to me, this 19 one is the one that's really interesting because like when you're 19, this is where you are, for the most part now, a fully- capable, fully reliant adult. You've been out of the house for a year. You're on your own. You're doing your own thing. And we saw 11% dip from 17 to 18. We see an 18% dip from 18 to 19. And to me that says, okay, students, when they are on their own and they don't aren't being told they have to go to church, they're not being coerced or just encouraged even, they're choosing to not go to church in a really dramatic way. Now, 
Among those who dropped out by age 23 to 30, 31% came back and started attending two or more times a month, which is really good. And again, that would make sense. You meet you know, a person that you want to spend your life with and you realize that church is something that's important to you and you, you know, you want to come back and, and all that type of thing. But what we want to focus on is there's still 69% that didn't, you know, there's still a large margin of kids who have grown up in youth ministry for six years. They've heard the stories, they've experienced God, they've done all this good stuff. But when push comes to shove and they get out of the nest and they go on their own and they're doing their own thing, it can be tough for them to really get plugged in and stay plugged into their faith. And uh, we want to see if we can do something about it. So Cal and I are going to kind of walk down within this data here. We're going to just alternate here, but there are, there's five reasons listed as to why kids stopped attending church as soon as they got out of high school. And the first one is logical. The first and most important reason why they stopped going to church was they moved to a different college or a different state or a different place. And they just like didn't have their home church that they were going to, which makes sense. Okay. Like it's, it can be tough to go and find a new church in a new place and a new thing. But there's also that whole thing of you're figuring things out. You're figuring out what your new homework schedule looks like. You're figuring out what your workout schedule looks like. It, it's, it's a whole new schedule, a whole new rhythm. And so uh, it makes sense that when you move to college or a different stage of life that you just naturally, um, are kind of drop church a little bit because you don't know what else to do. Yeah, there's a natural, uh, I got to figure all this out. And if church has to fall to the wayside, then it does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you see that uh, as, as a really big reason for people kind of dropping out of church attendance. Uh, seeing church members as hypocritical or judgmental is another really, really big one. Uh, you know, as you grow older and, and you'll, students will experience this even within their own family. Like you, as you grow older, you start to see people as human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your parents shift from being your parents to being other adults, yep. you know, like they're always still your parents, but to some degree, they're also like, they, they transition from like the, uh, commander of the household to like friends and colleagues. Yep. Um, and, and you, a lot of times, you know, the rose colored glasses come off and, and, you know, maybe you can see a few more flaws here and there. Uh, church is no different. You start to see as you grow older, you know, you experience people being hypocritical, mm-hmm. you experience people being judgmental and, you know, not to dive into how I feel about that, but, you see kids see that yep. and they walk away from church because of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think politics is a big one in this, in this realm that mm-hmm. you start to see as you kind of come to your own grips that it can be a really, really big problem. Um, you know, which what that inevitably does is reason number three is you no longer feel connected to people at church. When you see them as hypocritical and judgmental, you just kind of feel this resentment or this bitterness, uh, even anger towards these people that, man, I thought you were a good person. You pride yourself on being a good person. Yet I know this about you. I know this about how you feel. And so it can kind of just, you know, disengage from that. But, you know, maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's just that, you know, as you grow older, it's one of those things where, uh, 
you know, being a young adult is a weird stage of life because you just spent the last, man, how many years? 10-ish years, 11, 12 years with the same group of people doing everything together, same classes, same everything. And they go off and they do their own thing. And so, you know, if you stay at home where you're from, all your your friends are gone. At the same time, you're still fresh out of college or fresh out of high school, I'm sorry. And so you don't have, you know, new friends built up yet. And so I feel like, overall young adults can kind of just be in this limbo of where they just don't feel like they have a place to belong. And so they just don't feel connected to people at church anymore, period, uh, because they don't feel connected to people in general. And so, you know, if they don't feel that connection to people at church, they really have zero desire to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Number four is disagreeing with the church's stance on political and social issues. Uh, I would say that this is this is going to be a little controversial, but stick with me here. That's what we do best here. It is. I would say that this one tends to be more of a problem with students who grow up their entire lives in the church and or um, are educated in conservative formats. Wow. Whether that be... And not, I don't mean conservative as political. I mean conservative as uh, typically private schools and homeschools. Sure. Uh, you know, that is typically a, I, I don't know how to say it other than a more sheltered a- approach. Like that's, that's the, that has a lot of negative connotation to it. And I don't mean it that way. Uh, I think that especially coming out of COVID, you've seen a shift in homeschooling where there's a lot of good things going on in that realm. And I don't want to take away from that. But when you don't have a lot of the the relationships and experiences with a wide variety of people, you graduate high school, you go off to college, you go off to, you start a job in a, in a secular job, whatever it is you are all all of a sudden flooded with different viewpoints, different yep. stances on issues, different political beliefs than what you grew up with. Yep. And that can sometimes like that oftentimes leads to kind of questions arising with your mm-hmm. faith. What is what does my faith say about this? And do I believe that? Mm-hmm. Uh and the tragic flaw in most young people is that they seek the advice of their peers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the example of like a teenage girl having relationship problems and she goes and asks all her single teenage friends for relationship advice. Rather than the parents or grandparents or mentor that has a good thriving marriage. Right, exactly. Like ask somebody who's in a relationship yeah. and, and a healthy one yeah. what their advice would be. Uh you know, that's, that's so much, that's going to be so much more valuable to you. And so I think that, you know, when it comes to students walking away from church because they disagree with the church's stances on different things, I think a lot of times it comes back to, I, I was confronted with something new. Yep. And instead of like, instead of texting my youth pastor like, hey, this, like, what are your thoughts on this? Or this came up. What, what does the Bible say on this? Instead of doing that, either they Google it, 
Yeah. Or they ask their secular friends, right. you know, or they don't ask at all. Yep. And they are just like, oh, you're probably right. The Bible does say that. When in reality, the Bible doesn't say that at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that can be tough, but it does lead to a large number of students kind of, you know, walking away from their faith. Well, I think, it, I think it gets aggressive too, because it feels like they've been brainwashed. And I feel like the, it feels like there's been a, a, like, at least in my experience, it's been one of those things where when someone finds out new information and they feel like they gel with that, it's not just a matter of, I felt like now I have a different viewpoint. Now it's almost like a, I can't believe you made me think that this was the way it should be versus like think, seeing things objectively. Which is again, it's normal. I think it's it's a normal part of growing up and kind of thinking for yourself and coming to your own conclusions, so on and so forth. Which is all really good and natural and healthy. Uh, but it is a it, it it does kind of butt heads every once in a while, uh, you know, with with things. But the last thing, which again, this would make sense, is you know what's what's the fifth most reason that people drop out of of church attendance during this season of their life it's just busy work schedules you know this is not just a uh before it was uh you kind of knew that every day from 8 to 3ish you were at school if no if if sands or butts about it and so the jobs you had were on the weekends they were in the summers they were you know late at nights or what have you but uh, you know, as you go to college and your schedule is all over the place, you can work a job that has a schedule all over the place. And so you might find yourself working way more weekends or way more Sundays or, you know, you're working so much so that you don't want to get up early and go to church on Sunday because you're just that busy. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly what happened to me. I I had a busy schedule and I was working shifts that were during Sunday morning church Yeah. instead of working different hours or instead of finding a church that had a Saturday night service. I just didn't go my, most of my freshman year. Yeah. Well, and I don't have the data for this either, but I think that, that this was in that theme today. I just didn't write it down. But um, one of uh, one of the other questions they asked this group is, what do you think the purpose of the, you know, what do you think is the purpose of, um, what am I trying to say here? What, why do you go to church? Right? Like, like, well, what is the purpose of going to church? Um, and and one of the biggest, what the two biggest ones were to grow in my faith and to know what the Bible says, yeah. which are both really, really great reasons. Uh, but something I was telling our church a couple of weeks ago is, you know, that's not the sole reason of why we gather together at church. They're two really good reasons. Like church is a great place to grow in your faith. It's a great place to learn how to dig into the word. But if you look at the early church in Acts, community was integral it's why the church got together is because they need to be around people. And so to Kyle's point, if you're, if you're looking at church as only a way to take in information, you're going to settle for chapel. You're going to settle for YouTube videos or YouTube sermons. You're going to settle for, you know, just piggybacking off what you already know, because if your only goal for church is to just intake information, you can do that in other ways and other capacities. And so, you know, well, I think what we have to do is go, okay, so now it's one thing to know this. It's one thing to have all this data, but how do you take this intelligence and make it wise or make it wisdom? What do you do with this information? Because this is a tricky thing, right? If you're a youth pastor or you're listening to this, odds are you have your own ministry and odds are you're in a church that doesn't have their own young adults pastor. You might, which would be great. 
Um, but as I alluded to earlier, where is the line between as the youth pastor who pastors anywhere from fifth grade to seventh grade, depending where you start through a graduating senior, you have those five or six years and they graduate high school. Okay, cool. They're now young adults. Where's the line? Like where does your job end? And now the person's job, who's going to pastor and disciple these kids in the next season of life, where does their job begin? Yeah. Cause like your job, your role is, I want to, I want to do this and, and I have a set period of time. Yep. I want to transition. Well, I want to hand them off to something that is going to be successful, something I trust. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's huge. And so I think that, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors that come into it. I think that, you know, having a strong discipleship, uh, is, is a good start, uh, you know, giving students an opportunity to make their faith their own, like like we talked about, that has to be a decision that students make at some point. Uh, you know, if if you have strong discipleship within your youth ministry, mm-hmm. students are going to be more excited about making their faith their own and continuing to do that after they graduate. If if you're doing it really well, they've already started that process by the time they graduate. They may have finished that process by the time they graduate. And that's going to set them up with that foundation uh, as they continue forward. Yeah. Well, it, it's one of those things where we've, I think we feel like we've talked about this a ton, but our job as a youth pastor is not just to say, hey, believe this, but like, Hey, feed yourselves, you know, like, like there's that old adage of like, don't just give the person a fish, give them a fishing rod, you know, show them how to fish because then they can feed themselves. And this kind of just goes back to the culture of youth ministry in 2022 is, are we more concerned about growing our youth ministry or growing our students? Because I think that's something that we need to ask ourselves realistically is because you can, you can have a pizza party, you can have a big event, you can have all these students show up. That's great. That's awesome. You can tell them about Jesus. Awesome. But if you don't, give them food and you don't give them things to chew on and show them how to grow in their faith, you're just setting them up to fail. But Derek, I do give them food. I give them pizza. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I actually, I'll, I'll kind of plug another, uh, co-podcaster here. Uh, there is an individual by the name of Tim Ross who mm-hmm. has a, a podcast called the basement. Uh, really fun. Listen, uh, I ran across a clip of his from from a podcast episode where he talked about and and I don't I he I believe he was a pastor in Texas and now uh, does some other ministry things. He was talking about how people will ask him for like like to come in and do speaking Dude, engagements. Okay, for I I saw this same clip yeah. a few weeks ago. It, it it was like so good. It's it's it's. I, I saved it. I sent it to friends. Like it was obviously not you because you're not really a friend, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I, it was so good. He, he was talking about, you know, people ask him to do speaking engagements mm-hmm. all the time. And, you know, when you get to a certain profile as a, as a pastor, as a speaker, like you are probably inundated. Uh, you know, Derek and I are anticipating that shortly. Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he said that, uh, he, 
like if he gets a speaking engagement request from Australia, New Zealand, he loves it. He mm-hmm. he'll he'll go absolutely. Loves to go and speak in Europe. Loves to go and speak uh, in in churches in Africa or yeah. or in uh, Eastern European Singapore. Mm-hmm. He turns down almost all of them for church for engagements in the United States, and the reason is his reason that he gave was that youth ministries in the United States are so different from youth ministries all across the world in that most of them are bringing their students to this conference and they want him to come in and kind of light the kids on fire. Mm -hmm. And his comeback to that was, you know, you want me to light the fire when you're not willing to stoke the flames mm-hmm. the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, you you bring them in, you feed them some pizza play some and games. play some games and maybe there's a short lesson and you send them on their way mm-hmm. and there's no discipleship. Mm-hmm. I I loved 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 yeah. that clip because it speaks to the importance like pizza is great, sure, but pizza does not, there's a, probably a great sermon in here somewhere. Pizza does not lead to a lasting personal faith. Yeah. It leads to 66% of students dropping out of church. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is, it is insane. You know, and I think, I think there's like this, this woe that we have as, as youth pastors of, we don't want to go too deep with the kids. We don't want to, you know, shut out the kids that are we, we don't want to make things so deep and so inclusive and so discipleship oriented that we, you know, tune out the kids that are, that are new, which I think is a, a logical and a normal response. But what good is it to have a thriving, successful, big youth ministry if almost all of them walk out your doors after six great years and don't walk back in? Like, like, like what, yeah. what's the purpose of that? Like I go back to the great commission you know, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, not converts, you know, not, yep. not just yep. believers, like make them disciples of all nations, I think is just super, super integral. And so, you know, as you're going to find here, uh, youth pastors, youth leaders, those who are in charge of, you know, raising the next generation up, understand this, that while yes, the young adult pastor, the next person in line will help take them, don't undersell or undervalue the importance of instilling a good foundation in your students because it is integral. They will need it and they will thank you for it 10 times over because when push comes to shove, as I found this at NDSU, you find out really quick what you really believe and what your foundation is when it's under pressure, which is really, really important for us to understand. So that's the discipleship side of things. Youth pastors, here's another thing you can do. Stay connected with your students. Graduation day is not when your job is done. You still have a very, very integral and important transition period, one that you can and should be involved in. Check in with them when they're moving in. Hey, I'm praying for you. I'm thinking about you. Let me know how the first day of school goes. You should do that. Um, As they get ready for college, invite them over into your office, take them out to lunch, ask them how they're feeling about college or if they're not going to college, how they're feeling about going to trade school or working or whatever it is. Uh, Give them an opportunity to check in and see how they're doing. 
this thing I think is, it's something that's so simple. We almost think we shouldn't do it, but help your students find a Christ-centered community if it's outside of the town you live in. Like we can't expect an 18-year-old to say, okay, I'm going to a brand new place. I'm going to find a church that I oh, like. Oh, for sure. You know, like that, like that. that's that's not something that they're going to feel comfortable doing. Now you, on the other hand, who work in a church and know realistically which ones are the good ones and which ones are the maybe not such a great fit for this student, um, like that's on you. That's on you to kind of help find them, get, you know, figure out where they can go, what they can do, um, you know, it's important for us to resource them for life after high school. Like that is our job. Um, you know, if they're going too far in North Dakota, research a church in the area. Heck, call the North Dakota district denominational district and say, hey, um, you know, I have a student coming up there. What are some of the churches that we you have in the area? Like those are all things you as a mature, established adult are comfortable doing. Put those in the hands of your students and say, hey, you do what you want, but I want you to know here are some really good potential fits for you. Because if a student is between two churches that their youth pastor recommended, odds are they're going to go there versus going to a brand new place and going, hmm, I should probably find a church. Like mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. So yeah, absolutely. And then the final thing for for youth pastors uh, is to just be available. Uh, you you were their pastor for the last some of them five, six, or seven years. That's comfortable for them. You know, you are a resource and still can be a resource for them. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say to shy away from that, but at the same time, you do also want to be challenging as well. You know, you want to see them transition successfully into this new season of life. You can be kind of a comfort for them in that transition, but you can also challenge them a little bit uh, to to step into plugging into somewhere new, uh, which is, you know, tr- it's it's typically challenging for anybody. You know, if your student is a huge introvert, then it's going to be especially challenging potentially. But I would encourage youth pastors to, you know, be available, be there, be willing to, you know, have a phone call or, or, you know, send them a text like a month later and just check in on them, see how they're doing. Uh, And then just one more note that I'm going to add to parents here real quick and students, honestly, really everybody. Um, Don't let them come home. Uh, this is another controversial one, and but uh, hey, that's apparently the mood I'm in this <laughs> today. Uh, don't let a if if you are a college kid and you're going off to college, my best advice is don't come home for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, here in Minnesota, we have like a like a lot of schools, I guess, have a fall break. It's not just a Minnesota thing. Well, even Labor Day, but kids are in school for like two weeks, and then it's Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Don't come home. Yeah. Um, because building relationships is so, so important. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I have a book that I'm reading right now that I highly anticipate will end up being an episode of the podcast. And so I'm just going to tease it. I'm not going to tell you what book it is. You're going to have to keep listening and find out later. But what this book is talking about is the importance of the relational side of church life mm-hmm. and build whether it is, you know, church relationships or friend relationships at school, like they're both really, really important and you can't build them if you come home every weekend. Right. I, I have literally seen kids 
come home every single weekend or like even like twice a week they'll come home and then they hate their college experience. Shocker. And you're like, listen, I love you, but I could have told you, like if you told me you were going to do this, I would have guaranteed you, you were going to hate it. And mm-hmm. then I could have just saved you all the tuition money yep. and told you not to go. And like, you, you. you can't, well, yeah, I'll take it. I'm not going to say no, but I will champion it until I die that those relationships absolutely need to be built. And the only way to do that is to stay there and do it. Yeah. Like I'm not saying don't ever talk to your family. Like you just, you can't build those relationships if you're constantly going home. Yeah. Okay. I'll step off of my soapbox now. Well, and I think it's, (laughs) I think it's so much harder when you go to a college that's close. Yeah. You know, for sure. Like this is this is one of those things where I think that's even more relevant if you're going to a like or a community college, you know, or something like that where you're 20 minutes away. Like that's that's even harder. But yeah, it's, it's, well, it's such if a you're good living point. at home and going to a community college, it's a little bit different. Um, but if you like, we have I have some former youth students right now that are at a college that's about 25 minutes away, maybe from our church. Wow, and they. A lot of time we'll get into this in a minute, but like we have a young adult ministry that meets every other Sunday night. And so on those Sundays, like they come to our church for church. And then a lot of them will go home for Sunday afternoon and then go to the young adult ministry Sunday night. Like that is a little bit different one, because it's not the whole weekend. And two, because there is a community that they're plugging into. Mm-hmm. And so they're probably not, and a lot of them all go to this school together as yep. well. So they're probably not just absolutely hating life because they still do have that sense of community. Yeah. Yeah. And and so what we want to end with is, okay, so what do you do? Because like, those are all practical things you can do on the, you know, on the onset, you know, either leading up to when they leave or, you know, shortly thereafter. But I think something Kyle and I have both noticed in our own respective ministries in the last few months is uh, we don't have a young adult ministry in our churches, but we have plenty of young adults that need a place for them. And so, okay, so how do you manage this though? Because like we, I've said multiple times by this point, odds are, unless you are a bigger church, there is not one pastor who's dedicated to young adults. And so- does that mean they're not important? Absolutely not. Like there's just the opposite. Like they're integral to having a spot. So what are some things you can do as a youth pastor to kind of help create a space for some young adults in your area, in your church? These are maybe the students who are are in college from a different area. Like maybe they live in a different state, but they're in your town because you have a university in your town. And so, you know, creating a spot for young adults, what are some practical, easy things you can do? Or even if not, you know, I know I have some students that I graduated a few years ago who didn't go the traditional university route. It's not nearly as common as it used to be of like everybody graduates and goes to a four-year school. You now have trade schools, you have community colleges, you have people who say, forget that. I don't even need a degree. I'm just going to start working right away. Um, that's becoming much more common. So what are some things you can do practically? Number one, creating a space. 
create a space for young adults because so much of what young adults struggle with is not having a spot in which they belong. They're too old for youth group. They don't want to be that one student who lingers around and is still part of high school even though they graduated. Yet they're not at a spot where they feel established and they feel like they can fit in with people who are in their careers and done with college. And so they don't have a spot. So that might mean you create a spot for them. Have an event, have a night of the week where you open up the church and just order pizzas and hang out. Create a spot for them where it's like-minded people in like stages of life getting together just to hang out and be together. Yeah, that's really good. And I think that creating that community feel as well, uh, these two kind of go hand in hand, right? Creating the space for them to come together, but also creating the atmosphere and the culture of that group, uh, you know, having it be something that is fun, but also something that's really encouraging and uplifting and emo, honestly, like emotionally safe. Uh, you know, you can have a greater depth to what you're doing in young adults versus what you do in youth. Uh, and you can also, it can be more conversational. Uh, I saw this is not original to me, so I'll only take like 70% of the credit, but I saw once that, Somebody, somebody referred to young adult ministry as the exact same principles as junior high ministry. You know, junior high ministry and young adult ministry, they both groups want to talk and they have questions. Now, yeah. young adult ministry, the questions are probably going to be a little bit more relevant. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully. Anyway. I, you would think, but it's, it's fun to almost see like the cycle come back around where like the questions are being asked and students really want to dive in. You know, you get this weird gap in high school where like students don't want to say or ask anything because they don't want to be wrong at all, but then they get to young adults and now their curiosity outgrows their desire to be not wrong. Uh, they don't really necessarily need to be right in high school. They just don't want to be wrong. And so that that is really, really good. And creating the culture right off the bat is important as well. Yep. Um, I'll share, you know, you see, I, I think the greatest fear with young adult ministry is that it turns into a christianmingle.com spinoff sure uh where where it's just a bunch of young single people trying to find a spouse mm-hmm. and it's speed dating uh that is not the goal if you are intentional about the culture that you set it won't be the outcome and you know i i think that because i've seen young adults who I've seen young adult ministries that are like that. I've also seen individual young adults that want to get plugged into a young adult ministry specifically for that. Yep. And when the culture is, no, we're not just here to date each other. We're here to dive into the word of God. Yep. Either A, preferably they shift and are now there for the word of God and their faith grows. Yep. Or B, less optimal outcome they leave yep. because they're not there for what everybody else is there for. And yeah. the culture is going to win out being intentional about setting the culture, but like you, you just got to do it and yeah. you got to kind of stick at it and be intentional about it. And that's going to work wonders for you and just give it time, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's this, not a overnight thing for sure. No. And you know, and, and you might have young adults who kind of buy into it at first, but then they get busy. It, it, it goes back to all the reasons we listed above busy work schedules, uh, new rhythms, all this different stuff. It takes some time, but 
create that community, create that culture, create that space, and have a good group together of different ages. I think 18 to 27 is a good group because you have kids who are fresh out of high school and don't know what they're doing mixed with people who have been through the college, are now getting their feet wet, getting houses, getting apartments, getting established, and they can really speak to what it's like to be, you know, like now you're kind of almost mentoring the younger people in the group at the same time you're also just finding friends because it's it can be hard to have friends that are your age when you you do move away and so just have a good diversity in the group of ages and uh just just keep doing it like i think we could spend so much time into like what it takes to have a good young adult ministry like with the curriculum and what you talk about what you don't with a whole other episode but i think the point for today is understanding that as a youth pastor of a youth ministry, it's important for you to not neglect those students who are getting older because they're probably not around as much. You probably don't see them as much around. That's not because they're disengaged. It's not because they don't care. It's all the reason for you to get in there, pour into them as much as you can and help set them up for success as they transition into the next season of life. Yeah, that's good. I think having people further along the path than you are is always something that we champion. And if you think about because there's so many different paths that young adults can go down. An 18-year-old fresh out of high school who jumps right into the workforce might have more in common with a 25-year-old yep. who went to college and is now in the workforce than they would with a 19-year-old who is in in college. And and so having that diversity in the group is uh, is an absolute win. Uh, that does it for today's episode. Actually, before we wrap up, I do want to... Uh, let all of our listeners know, you know, obviously, uh, being on various, uh, platforms is, is great. Uh, we do now have our podcast available on the iHeartRadio app. So that's exciting. Uh, if you're listening to this, the odds are you're not listening to it on iHeartRadio because it's a very new thing. But, uh, if you're listening to this shortly after it came out, you're probably already listening on something else, but, uh, yeah, iHeartRadio app, now a thing. We are expanding, so that's fun. Uh, expanding just in our, like, we're not, like, releasing more shows or, no. and, like, we're not going to become, like, a four-man crew or Yet. any of that. Yeah, uh, I don't really have any other friends that I, I hard, I struggle to call you a friend sometimes, so. I was just going to say, wow, we, you've just admitted that. No, you I said it and me. I rescinded it immediately. Uh, no, that's it for today's episode. We appreciate you guys hanging out with your two favorite friendly neighborhood youth pastors. Uh, on behalf of Derek, uh, I am going to go start like, uh, I was going to call it a young adult ministry, but I'm just going to start a place for our young adults to speed date each other. Goodbye. Goodbye.